0: The Money Show. Other People's Money. Well, tonight's Other People's Money guest is the parenting expert, the human potential in parenting expert, Nikki Bush, who you often hear dispensing wisdom on the radio. In fact, she's got a new book out entitled Future Proof Yourself and I feel a bit gazumping, a bit bad gazumping your launch. It happens on Wednesday, but I do like to be ahead of the curve, Nikki. Uh, where do you find time to write, for goodness sake? I mean, I just was looking at your website today and looking at the huge variety of stuff that you're doing. Um, you seem to be incredibly um, heavily engaged at the moment. Where do you find time to write? Are you a 3 a.m. writer? One of those.
1: Actually, no, Bruce, I'm not. Um, I tend to, in fact, I lie. In my early career, I used to be the 3 a.m. in the morning person. But these days, I tend to keep normal office hours. And for me, writing is a form of self-expression. And the world just needs a lot of input right now. And there's just so much to write about. And my book, Future Proof Yourself, really is written for such a time as this. And you'll see from my website that, you know, that conversation continues. So if you've ever lost in your life, and it doesn't have to be the loss of a person, it can be the loss of, Anything, whether it's your health, your business, whether it's a partnership, whether it is just loss of control, which we're all feeling right now, um, or whether you're going through major change in your life, and that's everybody at the moment, then this book is for you, because it really is about learning how to dance with disruption so that you can continue to win at work and
0: life. Dance with Disruption and Win at Work and Life. Uh, I, I do like the payoff line, by the way. Win at Work and Life is fabulous. and um, <laughs> uh, I hope it is heavily trademarked and you have vicious lawyers um, on that because I could see it being borrowed uh, extensively. But, yeah, winning at Work and Life is what it's all about, and that's what we like to try and achieve on The Money Show when it comes to money, so we need to talk about money. But you've been through that huge loss yourself, and I think a lot of people know your story, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that... Uh, that pains you every time you relive it but i mean if there there is very few more painful disruptions to life than losing a loved one especially violently that night of the 18th of november 2017 your husband simon hears a dog bark and 99.9 percent of the time the dog barks there's nothing to worry about but unfortunately this was that one time where there was something to worry about and there were bad guys outside and he died i mean it's You've got young adults, children, um, and life is turned upside down. And despite the emotion of it and the pain of it, um, from, a, from a financial point, this wasn't part of the plan. This wasn't supposed to happen.
1: Yeah, Bruce, you and I have had these conversations and uh, it wasn't part of the plan. In six very short minutes, my life was divided into two parts before this and after this and nothing would ever be the same again and so often you know life sends us life tremors but occasionally you are sent a life quake and it changes absolutely every aspect of your life and that's what happened you know to us and to me and It affects everything from your emotions to your body. So, you know, I have a talk, uh, what if, what if happens? And it talks about, you know, what happened to my brain? What happened to my body? What happened to my finances? What happened to my business? And there's this ricochet effect. And I guess that is, you know, there is that thread in my book that we have to, at some point, no matter how bad things are, Uh, learn how to take a step back and gain perspective which is very hard when you're in deep deep shock you know it's hard to do that you don't do that for a while but at about nine months after my husband's death that was when I actually this this time almost four years ago when I was asked to give my first Women's Day presentation about what had happened to us of course I thought why did I actually accept this invitation to speak you know, to package a very messy, nonlinear um, experience into a linear presentation was very hard. But I actually did this collateral damage versus collateral beauty exercise that I invented in bed on a Sunday morning. Folded a piece of paper in half. And this is something list- listeners can do with COVID right now. You know, yeah. fold a piece of paper in half, write collateral damage on one side, collateral beauty on the other. And I completely shocked myself, Bruce, because. I wrote for about two and a half pages on the damaged side of the page. And I thought, ah, oh, there's probably 10 things I can write on the positive side. And five pages later, I was actually still writing. And it really blew me away and shifted my perspective that, that we can find uh, you know those those shards in our most broken moments which also you know it actually also impacted on my finances and finances was tough you know when someone dies you hemorrhage money. I don't think people realize how much you hemorrhage money when you're in shock and you just literally throw money at the problem but um, I have spent quite a bit of time in the last three and a bit years trying to help people get their affairs in order because When you have to wrap up somebody's life, it actually is uh, stepping into the bureaucratic nightmare.
0: It's not fun. It really isn't fun. And it's something that you can, as well prepared as you were, because I think you are that sort of person, um, whose whose admin is pretty good, if not perfect, pretty good. And I'm sure Simon's was pretty good as well, because he was living with you for an awfully long time. Um, uh, (laughs) But even, even when it's pretty good, it's not nearly adequate to deal with the catastrophe that happens when a a, a life ends.
1: Yeah, sadly, I thought I was well prepared when my financial advisor, and I know this is a money show, and you're probably going to ask me, what's one of the best decisions you've ever made in terms of money, Nikki? And my answer would be, fortunately, about four years before my husband's death, we really got in touch with a fantastic financial advisor and we we developed a relationship with him and he knew our, our financial affairs and about 36 hours after my husband's death, he arrived on my doorstep and sat with me and gave me the high level of what my position was. And then when he left, there were four words that he used and he said, and so it begins. And at the time, I didn't quite register, you know, I was in deep shock at that stage. And I thought, you know, I've got my what if file, I'm pretty sure I've got all my documents in order. Knowing that many of my friends who'd lost partners to cancer, etc, had really battled financially to wrap up their partners lives. I thought, you know, that won't be me. But I could not anticipate the the, the hell that I was going to go through for the next year financially of wrapping up a life. It's, it's really not fun, and it's really not fun as a woman. And you really do need far more documentation than I thought, which is why I have created my what-if file checklist, which, believe it or not, has over 43 items on it. And most people are lucky if they've actually got 12 of those items in order.
0: I the last time we chatted, which was about a year ago, I swore I was going to go, and I didn't because I'm I'm that person, uh, and I think most of us are that person. We're not as disciplined as we could be, or as we should be, or as focused. And frankly, as a, as a labour of love, Nikki, and I'm sure that you would agree with this. It is the the kindest thing you can leave to anybody who's left behind because. Uh, with uh, the loss is traumatic enough the struggle is traumatic enough the fact that you can't focus and you can't run your life as it was being run before is hard enough um, and suddenly there is this enormous additional burden that is placed on you which is not fair it's not right but unfortunately until somebody you know, changes the law and invents a better system it's the, the reality with which you're stuck
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, it's just really heartwarming. I got a a message the other day from somebody on Facebook saying, you know, we attended one of your talks after your husband's death and we took your what if file and I actually gave it to my dad. This is, uh, you know, uh, the daughter gave it to her dad and we never spoke about it again. And she said, my dad passed away earlier this year. And I just wanted to say thank you because we looked through all his paperwork and we found this pristine what-if file. Color-coded, he even left his wife a calculator in the file. And, you know, it's just so heartwarming when people send you those, those notes and then somebody else sent a note saying, you know, my daughter was left a widow. Her husband in his early 30s died. And fortunately, they, they ticked the boxes a few months before he died with your what-if file and she's been able to pay the bills and carry on living. It is
0: so grotesque to have to face up to that inevitability, because sadly, one of you is going to go at some point. (laughs) We
1: don't like to look at our mortality in the face.
0: We don't. Uh, A more cheerful part of the discussion coming up in a moment. Maybe find out if Miss Perfect has any bad money habits. That will be a bit of fun. Nikki Bush, more with her. In a moment. The Money Show. Other people's money and that other person this evening is nikki bush the human potential and parenting expert, one of the most prolific uh, individuals i have the pleasure to know and if you go to her website you'll see just how busy she is and on that website is a place for you to acquire her her what if file and those are the 43 documents you need in case of an emergency and that emergency invariably is that somebody has died and it's awful But it doesn't need to be as bad as it, you know, it doesn't need to get completely catastrophic, I suppose, is the point. Um, Did you grow up with money, Nikki? I mean, you are somebody who's terribly, um, uh, terribly comfortable in the world. And that's usually a sign of coming from at least a, a good middle class background.
1: Yeah, I think a good middle-class background is about right. Um, Was there always money? Yes. Was there always enough? Not necessarily. So let me tell you a little bit of a story because I think people will find this really interesting. So my dad brought us up with the envelope system, and he would bring cash home. This was the budget, and we had, I don't know, about a dozen envelopes, one for clothing, one for extramural activities, one for food, one for entertainment, and he would, uh, we would divide all the money up according to the budget. And if we ever wanted anything, we had to go to the envelope and get the money out of the envelope. And if there was no money left in the envelope, well, That meant that there was nothing to spend on that category of expense. Or, so my dad drew up the budget and had the envelope system, and my mum broke the budget. So (laughs) then we would have a debate as to which envelope we would steal from, um, you know, to get what we wanted. And then we knew then we would have no money in that envelope. So it was a very... um, concrete it was a real concrete learning activity of how a budget works and i have i have a really strong memory of that and it it was a great you know teaching tool um and then in later high school i did really well in home economics um i used to sew uh, and cook etc and um in oh probably grade standard what was it grade 11 12 um, we actually were a bit short of cash. And we had matric dances, debutants balls. I made my matric dance dresses, my Debs ball dresses. I made my sister's matric dance, and de- no her Debs ball dress because we couldn't afford it. Um, my dad would sit us down and have a budget meeting at the beginning of the year and he'd say, so what hockey tours have we got? What matric dances have you got? Let's see if we can afford it. And then we had to come up with a plan of how was this all going to happen. And so, I mean, I stepped up to the plate a few times and made the dresses. So that's how it happened. So it wasn't as if money fell off trees, but we certainly made a plan. And I think, you know, that's what one has to do in life. Nothing is, life doesn't unfold in a straight line all the time. Did um, you? Did you, so did you a- carry the...
0: Get forward with, with
1: your own kids? Uh, not, uh, you know, I think we're, we're out of, we don't bring our salaries home in cash anymore. So it's tricky to do. And in fact, I only got my first bank account at around 18, whereas my kids got their first bank account at age seven. And times have changed. So children don't see real hard cash as much as they they probably ought to in fact i often say to parents please give your younger children real pocket money because yeah. it's the only way they can actually understand how what happens when you run out otherwise they just say well, get some more with your card uh, <laughs> so no, absolutely a lot of and,
0: uh, yeah i mean a lot of people are very critical of the of the board game monopoly we love playing monopoly we had a digital monopoly we had cards and little digital devices and they yes. hated it Hated it, hated it, hated it. Yes, hated it. He did it too. The, the it. power Not nearly of cash. As much. Exactly. Cash yes. is special. You've
1: got to um, be able to see, touch, and feel it. Cash, cash yeah. is king. Um, and, and we re- really need to be doing a lot more education because I made a really fundamental uh, investment error in my early 20s. My first investment was a retirement annuity at age 20. It was a 1,000 rand a month. And that's, <gasps>
0: that's a lot of money back then in those days. Yes. Quite a lot of
1: money, yeah. And, um, and that was a really clever thing to do, but it wasn't linked to inflation. Uh, and when my husband died, the RA was still going off at a thousand rand a month.
0: And, again, old-fashioned RAs also came <laughs> with dreadful fee structures and all sorts of things, too. I mean, just horrendous. Would, would you say that's your worst money mistake? It can't be. Um, you must have something more spectacular.
1: No, no. The really worst money mistake that we made as a couple was when the Rand went to hell in the early 2000s and our investments, you know, just crashed. We didn't leave them where they were. And, you know, that's also part of financial education. And we pulled the money out and invested
0: in property in China. And that was a disaster. Invested in property in China. Where did that bright idea come from?
1: Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Where did that bright idea come from? Um, Actually, it was a good idea until we didn't have a tenant a year later. Yeah. And then we were in trouble. And then we had to get out as quickly as we could.
0: No, but I mean, though, and it's so those 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 lessons are so can be so financially debilitating and so costly. Um, and, you know, it, it does mean that you have to, as you get older, work even harder and be more productive because you miss out on the compounding power of your money sitting in slightly more dull uh, investments. Um, do you have any bad money habits? You strike me as incredibly disciplined, and the talks that I've been to that you've given is all about discipline and maintaining focus and all of these sorts of things. You strike me as incredibly disciplined, but do you have a smaller Nyana skeleton? We all do. Not, not
1: really. I mean, I was, I was thinking about this. What was I going to say to you if you asked this question? Um, I love to go and buy pens, you know, like... Lovely gel pens oh. and things i mean this is minor i really i, re- I don't have i don 't have major devices um, so no not really um but i am enjoying. Uh, Now that I'm becoming more money savvy and it's really crazy that, you know, you have to go through a disaster like your husband's death to really become smarter about money. Uh, You know, just actually that discipline of a debit order going off into investments. And that's probably one of the wisest things that we could teach our children and do for ourselves is make sure that that's part of paying yourself at the end of every month. And it certainly wasn't until my husband's death.
0: But you had a different plan. I mean, I don't know how much of a plan you had, but there were two of you. There were two incomes. It was kind of peachy. And unfortunately, life changes and changes fast sometimes. And, and, you, and there are no second yeah. chances. Uh, and that can be... Yeah, hard.
1: you're right. In fact, uh, probably one of the biggest money lessons that I learned through my husband's death was to not be so negotiable and to hold my value. And as you just mentioned... We were married. We had two incomes. And it's amazing when you have two incomes, how you actually don't have to necessarily hold your value or stand up for yourself. And you become really negotiable. And now that I'm a sole breadwinner and a widow, I am way less negotiable and I hold my value. And that's been a good lesson
0: to learn. Nicky Bush, human potential expert, parenting expert, Dicky Bush. Thank you, Nicky, for sharing uh, this evening. She's got a brand new book out. The official launch is happening this Wednesday. And that book, of course, is entitled Future Proof Yourself. You can also go to her website and look for that famous list of 43 items that need to go into that what if fire.